0: Are we going to lead you know, with instinct or are we going to lead with science? And we've been leading with science. And this is one of the reasons why Rhode Island is positioned so well.
1: David Ogamir, what's it like to be governor right now? What are you focused on? How are you spending your time? What success over the next few years is going to look like? And how can applied research help you get there? We're joined today by Dan McKee the 75th governor of the country's biggest little state, and home to the policy lab, Rhode Island. Governor McKee is on his 45th day as governor, but he's got a long tenure in politics, most recently as Rhode Island's lieutenant governor, and before that, a six-term mayor of Cumberland, Rhode Island. If that's not enough for you, I've even got some big scoops about, shh, shh, don't tell anyone, he's campaigning for high school student council. Welcome to 30,000 Leagues. Governor Dan McKee, welcome to the Thirty Thousand Leagues podcast.
0: Well, it's been a, it's great to be here, and uh, looking forward to our conversation.
1: Well, let me begin by maybe taking us in a bit of a time machine with the first hard hitting question, which is your high school days. You racked up all kinds of awards: most courteous, best personality, <laughs> most school spirit, most sincere, most ambitious.
0: Well. High school was a long time ago, but I had a lot of good friends at the time. They were probably, you know, throwing in extra votes to kind of, uh, you know, give me those, uh, those awards. So did you run for student office too? I did. You know, I, I was involved with, uh, which was kind of the it was the senior council. that was like a student council that I was involved in with school activities back in high school. I was uh, also involved with a playing sports. I enjoyed basketball. I played a lot of basketball, baseball. We had a good baseball team I played on. We won a state championship while I was uh, playing uh, in high school. So, I uh, yeah, we spent, a, we spent a lot of time on uh, working with good friends. They're still good friends today, and it's been a lot of years later. It's been 50-plus <laughs> 50, 50 years later.
1: Of course, that was the start of your political career, beginning in 2000 you've been the mayor of Cumberland, Rhode Island for, for amazing six different terms before most recently becoming governor of Rhode Island. I'm curious what's been most both similar as well as most different about the experience of being a mayor versus a governor.
0: Well, they are similar in, in respects in terms of the governance model, right, with the executive, executive branch uh, as a mayor, the legislative as a council, as a mayor, town council, and then a general assembly uh so the structure is very similar the 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 actual work that goes day to day in managing a, a town or managing a state uh is just a matter of uh you know one's bigger than the other the state's a bigger operation but there's cabinet members that run specific uh, things whether it's finance or recreation or public works and you have the same thing in the state government so it's a little bit um larger but it's the same concept you need to work with people you need to you know make sure you're connected in and uh you know there's a fine balance between micromanaging and managing right so you've got to find that you got to find that balance because you want to have good people doing their work but at the same point in time as a leader in both as a governor now to the state and a and a mayor in a, in a community like our town of cumberland you know we're directly accountable for the people that um that we serve. So that's the same and it's um it's just finding that balance to make sure that you you're really fully aware of what's going on and I'm in the, like day 45 governor right now I'm counting the first 100 days but you got to really well, I really want to make sure that I understand the issues as well as I can whether it has to do with hospital issues or it has to do with the um, the covid issues certainly uh very involved in that right now. So I think that there's very strong similarities I think it's just the scale. Right. And in terms of, I mean,
1: I know you're 45 days into it, you're, you're kind of day to day, almost your hour by hour schedule. I'd be interested to hear kind of what the texture of that is like, particularly amidst COVID where so much is by telework. I mean, you're kind of a telework governor in a lot of ways, which I imagine probably presents some challenges. You know, you're not out there able to meet with people in the same way, hold the babies and all that. Uh, but maybe there're also some silver linings. so what are your what are your how do you kind of spend your hour by hour how are you managing the telework aspect
0: well you can't do everything by zoom alone that i think i i, I think we all can agree on that and so there's value in making sure that you are face to face but it also in a a pandemic like this uh, it's it, it's a blessing that we have this type of medium to to communicate I, I just alone today i in the effort to kind of know what's going on i i have Daily calls, uh, you know, uh, several calls a week with the Commissioner of Education and the Superintendent in Providence. Uh, you know, front and center issue is the uh, the school takeover in Providence. Um, I've been very involved with education as a mayor, and I tend to be as a governor. Uh, so, you know, you start that early in the morning. Uh, you know, seven seven o'clock, you start your calls. Seven thirty on that, then I'm, then you shift into a uh, a Medicare call in terms of how to how to uh, manage Medicare in the state of Rhode Island and how to make sure that we're getting value and, and the cost as controlled as it can be. And then you get into another call, like I said, with the with the hospital merger. And uh, and then between that, you had a call with the staff. So now I'm headed to uh, the Veterans Home in Bristol uh, with Senator Reed because there's announcements to be made there that are related to the COVID and the different types of uh, programs that are going to become available because of that. So that's another comparison, as you said, with the governor's office. So you, you jump from recreation to budget to uh, police work to, uh, you know, on and on. Same thing here. So that is very similar. And I think that's helped me be prepared for a, a transition like this that is unlike any other transition ever in the country where a lieutenant governor became governor in midterm during a pandemic like this. So uh, I think that that was good, good training for me. I don't know about the high school stuff, but. Probably was good training at the time as well. But I, I'm glad you brought that up. Brings back good memories.
1: <laughs> and when you maybe flash forward a couple of years with me now, we just continue along with our time machine here. What are your thoughts on what sort of success looks like in terms of your priorities as governor?
0: Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I, I look at these uh, opportunities, these the positions, whether it was lieutenant governor, mayor, or governor, to be um, a blessing uh, that you have this incredible opportunity to improve people's lives and to respond to their needs. So we're going to be putting together a 2030 plan, a, a Rhode Island 2030 plan that we're going to engage many, many people to answer that very question in terms of what what do we want Rhode Island to look like 10 years from now? And what are we going to do to make that happen? But I think it's in. Areas that are, I think that people can agree on how important education is to young people uh, and to our economy, both all the way through the university level in the state. Um, and I think it's important on the health issues. We talked uh, briefly about that. The infrastructure, what is, what is the infrastructure going to look like? I just signed a Clean Air Act on Saturday. So what does our energy footprint look like? How well are we doing in controlling the, the climate issues that we're dealing with and, and the crisis there? So I think it's multifaceted, but I I think in essence, it's, it's improving our schools. It's making sure our economy is strong, strengthening our economy and making sure that um, we're paying attention to people's health. Uh, And then the other piece that I think is going to be front and center and it is right now and has been um, during my coaching, I did a lot of coaching. We, you know, the coaching had probably as much a lot more to to shape my uh, positions today than high school did. But uh, you know the equity issue is right front center, so I think that this equity issue is going to go across many veins in terms of just you know what what you know some of the you know very sad disruptive uh, type behavior that's been going on in policing out uh, in the in the country right now recently in in Minneapolis, uh, and so that's going to be a front and center issue: equity and how housing rolls into that, how income rolls into that. So I think those you want us to make sure that everybody's got a, a you know opportunity, and you want to make sure people a healthy economy and education, uh, and having uh, you know fiscally sound uh, state municipalities and 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 public safety to be people live in safe communities. That I don't know whether that gives you enough, you know what what I'm thinking about, but that's that's what I I think that w- that's why we're going to go out with this Rhode Island 2030 plan. I'm really excited about that. What an opportunity we have kind of a once-in-a-generation uh, a opportunity uh, that COVID brings in terms of the uh, investments that are going to be made, made available with the federal dollars in infrastructure, in state government, in municipal government, in our schools. Uh, this is a great opportunity. that We want everybody involved. in. Right.
1: As those priorities take more particular shape in the ways you're talking about, how do you kind of assess what Rhode Island's biggest on the one hand challenges, but also biggest assets are compared to other states?
0: Yeah, so I, I, I well, the first thing is that, you know, you go around the signs in the state of Rhode Island uh, that Governor Chafee put up, you know, discover beautiful Rhode Island. We have a beautiful state. We, this is a place people want to live in because of the, the nature we have here in terms of um, the beauty of our state, uh, the diversity of our state. Our educational institutions, uh, certainly in higher ed, attracts many, many people. Um, we just got to make sure that we provide an opportunity for young people uh, to, um, to feel as though that they got a future here. And I think that's one of our biggest challenges. But I think it's also one of our biggest assets, right? Just the human capital that we have that, gets, that grows up in Rhode Island, gets attracted to Rhode Island. Uh, and then our geogra- geography here, be, you know, between Boston and New York, and then the, uh, the ability for us to be internationally connected through all our communities that uh, make up Rhode Island. Uh, one of the things I did as a lieutenant governor, I really invite your listeners if they want to participate, because many, many of your listeners here are, are coming from uh, other areas of the country, other areas of the, of the world. We set up an international economic ambassador program in the lieutenant governor's office. And the goal was to link in people that lived in Rhode Island and to, um, as they travel, uh, we, we ambassador them up. We pin them, you know, as ambassadors uh, for the state and they, and they network for us in other parts of the world. So I think that we are the state that's a small state, uh, but we have a, a great deal of human capital and we have uh, the beauty of our state that attracts people. And that's why I think we can attract investment And we can attract uh, both the economic and also cultural advantages that we have in our state that really makes us very unique and uh, gives us a great future.
1: And Governor, as you know, the the Policy Lab has a core mission of working with the state to help share evidence, generate evidence to inform policymaking. I'm curious your thoughts on the role of of data and evidence in your style of, of governing and how it does contribute to delivering on these priorities you're talking about.
0: I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, you, your instincts are, are really important. You need to have strong political instincts of where to, you know, how to communicate and, and how to how to make sure that um, progress is being made. And there's, there's a skill set to be in, in politics. You know, <laughs> the, that's why they have political science majors, which I was one of the I, I that was one of my majors was political science and education. But data is really important. Just think about what we're doing right now in the COVID issue, right? Uh, are we going to lead, you know, with instinct? Or are we going to lead with science? And we've been lead- leading with science. And this is one of the reasons why Rhode Island is positioned so well. Um, you know, through the health department, through our um, strategic leaders and, 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 and REMA, which is our emergency management team, along with the National Guard, with FEMA now, with um, my chief of staff, Tony Silva, who's a former police chief with me when I was a mayor, uh, along with um, Tom McCarthy, who's heading up the uh, COVID. There's a reason that we lead the country right now in vaccination rates. It's, it has it has to do with the fact that we brought in data. We I saw out. I, I did graduate from the Kennedy School a few years ago, and uh, we got an F in, the, in, the, in terms of our rollout, in terms of our response on the COVID from them, uh, you know, in mid-February. I called them up, I, I, I talked to the, um, the former dean up there uh, and I talked to uh, the staff that was putting that data together and I asked them what, why and what is, what, why, why is that happening? Well, that data and that information helped me shape a strategy now that we have the capacity in the state to do as many as 160,000 vaccinations in a week. Uh, that, that was driven by data in terms of like strategy of how to build your capacity. Get ahead of the, uh, you know, your demand is out, outweighing your supply right now. But we're going to be in a position because of that, those decisions that we made and that I had a great deal, of, you know, certainly influence over as, as incoming governor, now governor. But now when other states are not keeping up uh, with their vaccination rates, uh, the president of the United States said we're going to get 200 million shots in the arms of the people, you know, uh, the, the, the United States citizens before their, his first 100 days in office. We're going to be in a position right now, if other states are not, um, you know, keeping pace with their supply, we're going to get that supply. And then we're going to put shots in the arm. So when you talk about that's a real life data driven example of how you need to take your your political instincts, your abilities in that respect and communication, but then also align it with good, strong data and then reasons of how we're doing it. So we're opening up the state of Rhode Island incrementally kind of incremental flexibility, but that's being driven by data. And we want to know what the hospitalization rates are. We want to know what the infection rates are. We want to know, you know, make sure, you know, we don't want to, we've attended too many funerals. We're over 20, almost 2,700 deaths in the state of Rhode Island. We don't need any more. So it's a combination of using data, data and, then, and then applying it in an intelligent way uh, based on your, you know, your, your, your skill sets in terms of communications and your instincts of how to, you know, to be a good leader.
1: And for researchers that are excited to help try to contribute and, and generate evidence in that vein, do you have thoughts on how folks at universities or other nonprofits that are researchers can be of most help to you in the administration?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, clearly in the, on, the, on, the, on the issues that they have to do with the COVID, but what, how about like data points in terms of like I was talking about a, about a Rhode Island 2030 program? Like, I could, I could go in a room and I could outline that but that's coming from my instinct and my you know my personal knowledge what about the the economics that that derive in terms of where you're going to put those investments and why are you going to put those investments in universities are uniquely positioned to provide you with that economic data in that in, in that point of view how about in terms of like as i just said in terms of the health outside of the outside of the uh, the covid issues of driving good health policy in the state of rhode island that you know we got hospital mergers coming up why are we doing that what what is the economic advantage of doing that that's all driven by data what's the medical advantage of that that's all driven by data how do we control the cost if we actually do merge in and we have a kind of a, a one major player in the state of rhode island providing health, you know help health, you know uh, coverages um that's all by data so your the policy institute i think is positioned extremely important right now because of a 2030 plan that we're going to put together as a governor, you know, my plan is to run again in 2022. If I'm elected, we'll continue that process. If I'm not, we'll do a handoff of a, of a, of a plan that was not politically driven as much as uh, real fact-based data driven. Well,
1: Governor McKee, I really appreciate your time today. We're about to be out of time. I don't know if there's anything else you were really hoping that we get a chance to chat about before you move on to your next thing.
0: Well, I think that, again, I I can't get off the phone without talking about the importance of getting vaccinated. Uh, You know, so as your listeners hearing that, I know I'm going to be on a call later this week or later today with with the university presidents, both public and private. I know that they're going to really uh, put in policy like a chickenpox vaccination for students to do that with the COVID uh, vaccination. So get vaccinated, uh, you know, in particular into the age group, the college age group. We're not going to be able to open up our universities fully. Unless we do that, and then the other thing I would just say is that we actually work with a core group of, of Brown University students as they're trying to um, identify areas that uh, we could do better in, in, in the vaccination, and that's in the BIPOC community. You know, the uh, you know, right now we we have a, a separation between the percentage of population in the Black and the Hispanic community in particular against the uh, percentage of, uh, of vaccines you know, shots that have been given in those areas. So we're actually working with a group of Brown University students that are talking about vaccination and we really applaud that. So I, I think that's the that's the deal. And as we reopen our economy, reopen our schools, you know, get involved. I mean this is this is this opportunity. Like I said, not only is this is an opportunity to reset and improve our state, but it's a, it's one to improve our country and the things that we do in Rhode Island are going to have that impact. So I really encourage people that really get involved in it right now and call our office if you if you have an interest don't be bashful uh if we can we can plug you in somewhere on a volunteer basis or a, you know in, in an intern strategy or even an employment strategy we're going to want to do that we're going to run to seek out the very best people that we can possibly find and the ones that are really committed to making Rhode Island this great place that that we know it can be and, and it is right now but we want to make it even greater we want to make it a really you know, we want everybody to want to discover the beauty of Rhode Island and, and all the all the different worlds that that, that, can, uh, that can you can imagine that to be.
1: That's great. Well, Governor, thanks so much for joining the podcast. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to the next time.
0: Excellent. Please please stay in touch. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks for taking a deep dive with thirty thousand leagues. This podcast was hosted by David Yoakum, director of the Policy Lab at Brown University and produced by Kelly Harris-Crawley and David Yoakum. You can find more conversations at 30,000leagues.com or by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep safe, keep calm, and Narwhal on.